Hello, everyone, and welcome to another new perspective, the podcast that brings you wisdoms and perspectives from all walks of life. Good morning, everybody. We're back here with Bob and Joe, and uh, I think this is like number seven now, if I I recall. Um, So we had a topic that came up at the end of the last recording we did where I asked Bob if there was something, a lesson that as an 81-year-old man would have told his 16-year-old self to maybe change something, you know, in his life or something you wish you would have known then that would have changed the way you maybe walked your path. So um, it kind of goes into, like, the idea of the butterfly effect or the idea that if you change one thing in your life at some point, we have to remember that it, that one thing we change could remove or cause people in our lives that we love to disappear because they weren't part of that path. And the idea that there's a lot of people that focus on the plan A and plan B, but when they choose plan A, they spend all their time worrying about what would have happened if they would have chose plan B. <laughs> yeah. Which takes all of your attention away from the from the plan A because you're so worried about if you made the right decision or not. So um, so do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, well, I, I listened to the podcast we made the last time yeah. and to that question, and I know that I said I wish perhaps my parents could have instilled more confidence in me. Yeah. But then I thought about that, and it's exactly what you said. Like, I think the way, especially my mother and my father, raised us was to um, just the mere fact I'm seeing it probably is the opposite of what it should be, is to kind of be have humility, and so I've always try to maintain that and and find the strengths and weaknesses and and help other people and maybe had I been given all this confidence maybe I would have missed some of this and I think that that was an important piece of the way I teach and taught yeah is, uh, so I can see that because like what I was thinking is if you know if we look at living in the offense living in the defense right and I think if people have confusion maybe a little bit too young in life between confidence and arrogance is that we live so so much in the offense that you miss some of the things that not literally not like playing in defense or not playing or living in fear but your um, there's a there's a Chinese game called go have you heard ever heard of that no. it's like a board game that has a, like a grid on it and then you play with these little white and black uh, little beads whatever <clears throat> and saying what we're saying right now reminds me of the one rule. There's a guy that teaches it, I bet, that teaches it at Montessori schools. And he said one of the best rules of Go is that if you try too hard to win, you lose. Yeah. And I think if we are overly confident too soon or arrogant, that you're playing so heavy into the offense that you're missing some of the presence of the right now. Right. You're missing some of those like nurturing moments, or like those kind moments, or like the chances to help somebody out, or do a, do a good deed. Right. Well, also too, um, 
when I think about what maybe my parents might have done, I have to look at where they came from yeah. and how they were brought <clears throat> up. You know, they, they had only a fourth grade education and pulled out of school, so I'm sure what, the way they were brought up was you know, not to have all of this confidence or arrogance at all, you know? Just right. get out there and, and work. So, yeah, it certainly does affect that. I, I, and I know because of that, I think I had mentioned that, uh, you know, I went to college later in life, but when I went, I worked hard because yeah. I didn't want to fail. So, you know, maybe, maybe too much... I, I saw some students who had so much confidence, they bombed out, they flunked out. Right, they thought they, thought they had it all, or they right. thought they could figure it out, right. or like, you know. Right. I think that happens a little bit with like, I don't want to use the word entitlement, because it gets thrown around too much, but like, right. if you have too much cushion underneath of you, right. I don't think you try near as hard. Is when you're when you have the monkey on your back, right. and you have you you came from dirt, and you have right. the dirt still attached to you, and right. like that's the, you're you're you come from nothing, right. and in your mind you're going, well, I don't want to be a nothing anymore. I want to be at least here, at least a little bit, a few right. steps ahead. Right. So you I, fight like hell to get there. I, I think what's important, though, having said what I just said, and I think we've talked about this before. There's a fine line of having too little confidence. And not enough confidence or enough enough to carry you through. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, absolutely. There's a fine line, like uh, you know, a fine line of being humble and, and arrogant, and it's, it's in the in middle. And it goes back to what I've said before that other people have their own issues, so you don't know what's going on right. with them. Right. And that's why, like um, Jordan Peterson said this one time, and it, like it really hit me because I've heard this. Some people say this stuff before. And we don't realize like how powerful our word, how powerful our words are sometimes. And he said to go to up to somebody and say you're perfect just the way you are. You're saying to this person that you see from the appearance on their outside is that you're perfect. And now you just told this person that's literally struggling on the inside to figure out life, or struggling to deal with a depression or grief or whatever, that you're now perfect and that there's nothing you can ever change about yourself, right? Yeah. And it's like literally one word or like one little phrase like that, that yeah. Yeah. we can't see what's on the backside of someone. We can't see what's going on inside their head, yeah. you know? And you can literally only tell by what they're willing to share. They might only, might, what they share with you might only be 30% of what's actually going on in their head. Yeah. You know, we don't know what's going on. So to be cautious about what we share or how we we present words to people and right. pay attention to that communication because what if their confidence and arrogance are a play off of something else, right. maybe out of fear? I've thought about this a lot, <clears throat> and it kind of ties in with what we're talking about. Sometimes I wish I would have taken a little more chances. Yeah. But... How would that have played into my life? I, I, I don't know, you know? Um, when I look back at, at my life, there, there weren't a lot of changes I, I would make, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that to be like a satisfied man. I just look and say, I've been blessed with so many things along the way, and I think I've had such a good partner that we've made some, 
right decisions. And if they weren't right, then we we were going to figure out how to get through them. You know? Right. Well, that's why, like, uh, one of my favorite quotes from Winston Churchill is, uh, when you're going through hell, keep going. Okay. You know? So you, make, you made your decision, and that's that. Yeah. And you can't take back your decision because you made it. You know, so like you just take whatever whatever comes out of that decision that you made, and you just go with it. You have to figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. You know, but I think um, choosing the path A or path B. People are so paralyzed in fear. Yeah. Of which direction to go. But they can't move. They can't move, yeah. and they're standing there at the fork in the road. They're standing there at the fork of their decision, and they're going, but but what happens? You know, I hear this on talks all the time. You'll ask this one guy, he's like, you know, so here's my two options. Like, which one do I do? Like, what, you know, which, what do you think is the best option? He goes, well, pick one. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to know what your best yeah. option is? Because yeah. you're never going to know what B was. Yeah. Pick you know? one. If it doesn't work, then you just rebuild. Rebuild or take direction. Maybe yeah. you took a lesson that you made from that decision you made. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that was bad. Or like, that was kind of good and kind of bad because I can handle this part, but not this part. So now I can go back to what my plan B was and yeah. apply what I learned out of this right. one lesson right. of plan A to plan right. B, and now you can just take off. Right. I think one of the issues there is the fine line again. How, how far, how long do you follow plan A if it's failing? Yeah. Uh, you have to make, a, maybe you have to make a quicker decision. Say, this, this is not working. Yeah. You've got to go in a different direction. Uh, now, you're talking about uh, fear. Uh, Roosevelt said the only thing to fear is fear itself. Right. You know, and and so fear just paralyzes you. you can't move. Oh yeah. Uh, It'll stop stop somebody dead in their tracks or, yeah. or kill the healthiest man. Yeah. You know, being paralyzed in fear, like living in that. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's it's um that that would that's that confidence and fear thing. You know, having enough confidence to make a decision. Right. Being in my world, being present enough, I think that's what, I think that's a lot of it right now is that people aren't present. They're not in the moment that they're standing in, looking at what they actually have, looking where they could actually go, and in the situations that they're in, and the people they're around, and all these like all these variables you have to take in. If you're not present, you're missing so many of the little mm. things that would make you make better decisions. Yeah. Because you even watch it like there's something I say with like you know the whole cell phones and cars thing and driving is that you can t- like some people aren't even on their phone they don't even have it physically in their hand but their mind is down there their mind is like who just te- like did someone text me did I get an email that I was waiting for did I right. like whatever so like right. your whole thought process yeah. is down there even though you're not holding it so if We'll throw the phone out of the whole situation. If you're still lost in fear or trying to spend all your time making this one decision, but you haven't taken into account, you haven't stood back and go, okay, so let's lay all the pieces out on the table. Right. What do we got? All right, well, we got a solid family here. We got this here. We got like, I got a back, I got my job still, so I can keep that right. for a little while until this happens. And, you know, right. but if you were so cloudy, then you're not making, you're not looking at all your variables. Yeah, yeah. And it makes decisions so much easier. Yeah, it does, because 
the, the decision you make affects other people. It's yeah. Not, it's not just you. you know, it affects your family, and so you have to look at that too. You know, what are the ramifications of this? Yeah. Because so, I know there was a point where I, I was considering leaving the position I was in and taking another position in another state that wasn't going to work with the family. You know? Oh, yeah. It up, just up, wasn't. Uprooting the whole family and moving. Yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah. So, uh, the, you know, going that way would have caused other problems. So. Oh, yeah. Because you think if you, like, how old were the kids? Well, they were in high school, so I would okay. have had to, they would have to be going to a different high school. And, right. Uh, and so, and they had friends, and, and, the, and the change wasn't that spectacular, so okay. why go for it? Right. Uh, but, you know, the living in a moment, is that's a whole other study, just trying to get your mind to be here, because it's, yeah. it's all over the place. Oh, it is, to like, to like, literally bring yourself together and be so present that the decisions you can make, you make smaller decisions. You make the, t right. the you can make, um, I was explaining this to someone last night, and I think she was probably, she's finishing her undergrad, so I'm guessing she was like 21, 22. And I was explaining this to her, like the way you can like have a vision or an aim or, or seeking, right? Because we're seeking creatures. We want, we need, we need an aim right. to shoot for. We need something. We need something to work towards. Right. If you don't have anything you're working towards, you're literally just wandering around left right. and right, laterally, and you're not really right. like, you can't figure out why you're not getting anywhere. And it was like, what I realized, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that's realized this in their life that's become highly successful, is that the vision that people see, like, this is my vision, this is where I see myself going, this is where I see myself, what I see myself building, right. is the final product. Not how it's going to start out. Right. So when I was listening, I think um, so Brie was doing her art class, and they were talking about uh, carving something out of marble, like a, like a sculpture out of marble. And first you, like, rough cut the big slabs off. Right. And then you cut some a little bit bigger, like, smaller right. slabs off, right. and then a little bit smaller right. slabs, and you keep refining this thing. Right. Because right. there's a vision there hidden within the stone. Right. Well, the vision that you see in your head... This beautiful, articulate, like refined, like mm. beautiful masterpiece is the final product. Right. So a lot of people give up so soon because they're like, this isn't what I look like at all in my head. Yeah. Well, of course not, because you have to work on it for years to create the final product, right. the, the refined product. You know? Yeah. That, it's interesting you mentioned a sculpture because when I was directing music and conducting some of the concert bands and symphonic bands, I would take, we worked on beautiful literature, difficult. And <clears throat> I felt like that, that I was chopping away, I kept chopping away all the stuff that had to be chopped away to finally get to the piece of music, to get the music. But it took me a long time to get there. And, and, and sometimes it was really difficult it took a, it took time to get there yeah, yeah. It, and that's that vision because you, you know what you're listening for right. 
right? Like, I, I, if I was to like put my that what you just said into the idea of music, right? Right, as to like a sculpture, as to like what I build, right? Um, you're you're you know what you're look, listening for, and you've heard it. You know exactly what the piece right. is supposed to sound like, and you know what your maybe adaptation to it is. It's that this little pizzazz right. you wanted to add right. that's yours, and you're listening for it, and you're like, oh, it's not quite there yet. And you're like, maybe shift this around or shift that around. And you're like, you know, maybe could you, I mean, it would probably change even where the instruments are placed, right? Like who's where, who's sitting where, you know? So you're, you could train that to like where you're like switching this and updating this and, you know, and I can, I can see that as a conductor, you know, to feel this refinement happening where you're like, wait, wait, yep. Almost there. Okay. Yeah. And you change this and like yeah. do it again. But that's exactly the way I felt with uh, these great pieces of music. I, I was chipping away, getting rid of the stuff that was not necessary, you know, the bad stuff, the bad cement, the bad sculpture. And, yeah. And finally getting to what, what the original composer, as close as I could get to what he wanted or she wanted. Yeah. And uh, now it's interesting because, as I mentioned to you, I've made reconnections with some former students of mine, and uh, oftentimes they say, used to get so frustrated with us, Mr. Perry. (laughs) And and I I write back and say, I was really frustrated with myself that I couldn't get you closer to where I wanted to get you. you So I was trying to figure that out. So uh, I'm sorry if it sounded like I was frustrated with you. It was more frustrated with me. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, I mean, that's cool. You can find that out now, too. Like, they, they thought that. But, like, you know, you can just be as you're, – you're the sculptor that's right. trying to get this, like, this, this piece, exactly what you want to see, like, in your head. You know? right. Right. With sculpting, you're removing your, your – who was it? I can't remember which one it was. Brie was telling me about it. It was like Michelangelo or somebody was like, he saw the human trapped within the marble. And he had to like, get, yeah. like, save the right. human that was trapped inside the marble. Right. Like, that okay, was like, yeah. and don't quote me on the artist, but right, I was one right, of them. Right. But he was kind of crazy because his way of getting this sculpture to come out was him saving the human that was trapped inside the marble. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. You know, and you're like trying to get all this off of there as quick as you can, but like the right way, because you're trying to like see what's right. see what's inside of there. And you're removing product to reveal what's inside of it. Right. You're chipping away. You're chipping away, and once it's right. gone, it's gone. Right. Right. If you make the wrong decision, it's right. now not there anymore. Now, what's interesting too, through that process <coughs> with the students, hopefully we're chipping away at stuff that we want to get rid of in ourselves. Yeah. To get to that that final product right everybody that's involved in it yeah right because they're they're having to keep practicing and try to master what they're everybody has to master their own little piece and then you have to bring all these pieces back together to create one big masterpiece yeah not easy it's not easy i can't (laughs) imagine because no you're talking about all these different variables uncontrolled variables right because you know if you're using something with like all electronic you can keep just adjusting it to get right. exactly what you want. Right. But if you're doing it with a live symphony, right. you know, of, of people, right. you're getting each person hoping that they're practicing just right. as much as the other right. person's practicing. Well, on, on the other hand, too, sometimes um, I preferred 
the human instruments and students, not human instruments, but the students and their instruments, because sometimes the, the, the control, the electronic music is too perfect. Okay. It's too perfect. I mean, <clears throat> there's some beauty to, uh, there's some beauty in life to things that are not perfect. No, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I mean, like, maybe the intonation isn't quite good, but the, their emotion is immaculate, where there's no emotion with the electronics because it's so perfect. Right. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. But it is, like, there's no, um, there's no room for error. There's no yeah. room for, right. like, choice right. or, um, like, creating some sort of, like, um, improvisation. Well, interesting, it's very interesting because <laughs> I made contact with a former student today who graduated in 76 who recently connected with a friend of hers who graduated maybe in 74 who was a professor at Berkeley College of Music in synthesis okay. music and he was one of my former students and, and so we've, we've always connected but one year this particular student, his name was uh, Rick Belanger, Dr. Rick Belanger, had composed a, a piece for a synthesis and orchestra okay. being performed up outside of Boston. And so that particular day, I took a busload of the kids up to Symphony Hall, Boston Symphony Hall, and the Boston Symphony Orchestra, one of the greatest orchestras in the world, was performing, and it was boring. They were doing a Mozart piece, and some of the trumpet players back there were reading a paperback book because they had like 50 measures of rest. So it was like, oh wow. there was like no emotion. And yeah. that night when I went to listen to his composition with some professional musicians and amateur musicians, there were some rhythm problems and intonation problems, but it was musical. It was more musical. I enjoyed um. that way more than I did the Boston Symphony. You know, some people listening are going to say, are you kidding me? I'm, that's what right. happened. So. Well, that's what it's so funny because uh, Ree and I both love uh, classical music, and that's yeah. pretty much the only. It's literally the only channel I have programmed in my okay. car. Yeah. Is the classical radio station. And sometimes eighty nine point seven, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we listen to it, and we're like, "It's too real right now. We have to change it or just turn okay. it off." Right. We'll drive in silence a lot right. too, but it's so interesting how real, how emotional, how like deep it cuts you like some classical music because oh, yeah. it's like once you get into it and all of a sudden you're like right. wow there's a lot to this right. and like when you're talking about no emotion right. you know. and when when because I, I worked with high school kids and when high school kids did that a piece a great piece of music like trying their best oh, it's the greatest because they're, it's so emotional it's so real it's so sincere yeah, because they're like wow. really trying to like oh, figure it out. I mean, I I I cry sometimes. Conducting is so emotional. Yeah, know? no, that's so, awesome. And you yeah. can imagine like how much. You, I mean, you've seen these people now. You've right. reconnected with some of them now. So right. do you feel like? I always think of this when I, when I coach help coach girls soccer, right? And like watch right. Right. some of them grow up now. Then they're all in their right. early to mid twenties, and like watching what they've done with themselves, and like. How's, you know that they're successful in the way they like speak and like the way they share yeah. things and stuff like that and I'm like wow this is really cool you know yeah. but that hard work and the way you like right. 
it's it's not that do this hard work whether you like it or not. It's right. it's I want to I want to guide you. I want to lead you. I want right. to like take you through these hard decisions right. and understand why it has to be hard to like. Well, I, I was I was using music to teach life. Yeah. So if I can get them as work as hard as they can, then you be the best mechanic you can be. You be the best secretary that you can be. You be the best doctor you can be. Yeah. Just you know work hard at it. You yeah. Know? So just carry this on wherever you go. Right. So. I think that's the, um, going back to like that being present, you know, like when you're playing music, you're very present. Right. Right. And when you're working. Hopefully, sometimes hopefully. your brains are off someplace. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Um, but to be present and being able to work hard at something and being patient. Right. You know, all these are like, they're such simple things when you say them. You know, that, you know, just, just be in the moment, right? We say it, just be in the moment. That's hard. Like, yeah, but what are you talking, like, yeah. you know, and the more you can be in the moment, then, like, and you have your vision, so you know exactly where you're going. Right. And you're like, well, I know where I'm going, so now if I'm present and I know where I'm going and I'm patient enough, the decisions I make are so small yep. that I'm going, okay, so I can either make this decision or this decision. Well, this decision probably won't get me to where I want to go, but this one will. Yeah. Well, this one kind of sucks. I'm like, well, yeah, sometimes getting to where you want is going to cause yeah. to make you a decision that you don't really want to do or you have to yeah. choose the harder one. You know, we've talked about that before, trying to always make the harder decision. Right. You know, but what I was saying to her last night, I was like, if you were present enough and you, have, you already know where you're going, you can keep slicing the decisions down to even right. smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. So now you're kind of living in the moment going, okay, so I need to go right. right. Okay, now I need to go left. Okay, now you go left again right. three more times before right. I can make another right. right. You know, that way we keep going to where we're going. Right, when, when you think you've arrived at that place where you want to be, yeah. then you have to set... You have to set your next one. More aims. You have, you have to keep, keep figuring right. out where you want to go next. Right. And then reverse engineering that, that going... Right. That's what's hard for a lot of people is what I would do is shoot, I kind of project into the future, and then I build bridges backwards to where I'm at. Okay. I'm so, like, okay. So you can get there, right? Right, like, what do I have to have to, right. to get to that point? Right. So, like, in here, it looks like it's just me, and I have this office and, like, all these things set up and whatever. Mm-hmm. But on my board, I have each person that I've talents counted yeah. through my life we go yeah I think they'd fit right in there yeah. and I think they would fit right there and I have you know my attorneys and I have mm-hmm. bookkeepers and I have finance people and I have sales people and I have computer people and I have I have this whole list of people that I'm like alright so I'm going to start my organization up think on how fast it grows I'm going to need you first I'm going to need you next and I already have a few people in mind of who I'd put in that position yeah Right, and you keep building backwards. That way, when you're ready to push the button, or someone's ready to push the button, mm. you know, or help you or whatever, then you're going, okay, it's time to go. And that's you put uh, built the system right. back far enough to where you're going, okay, so based on what I have figured out, everything should work fine. And I have a few backup plans here and there. Right. So something doesn't work, and you're going to have things that don't work out, like you had planned in your head, right. you know, and what you have to 
start and push the button, and then you kind of go, okay, what's going to happen? Okay. Yeah. So, but that's the, that's what I would say, like reverse engineering or building bridges from where yeah. your aim is yeah. to where you're standing at. Yeah. Now, getting back to almost the first thing we started with when I said yeah. confidence. Oh yeah. Now I'm rethinking this, you know, like. I had goals and aims, so I must have had some confidence there, you know. Because if I, when I get to that, then I made more, so mm -hmm. I kept kept going on. You know? Yeah, but that's that chain reaction, that that act, act, activation energy, or like yeah. you know that chain reaction of like, oh, I accomplished that, and you feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah. And you make another one, you're like, oh, I did that one too, yeah. and then it just keeps going. I think you grow or you build. Right. How how big of steps. We're not even really steps. How big of like aims you're willing to like yeah. give yourself? Because you're like, ah, I think I can get here. Yeah. Uh, well, that went pretty well. Maybe yeah. I can go here next time. And right. like, oh, should I did that one too? Yeah. You know, and I think you we need that. Yeah. You know, I think if you look at it all the way back to learning how to walk. You, you need the. I, sometimes I, I feel like. <laughs> some of the young people don't have enough ambition. You know, yeah. to, uh, I mean, they expect it to be given and... and well, we've kind of created that. I'm not saying your generation yeah. did, but like, yeah. we've we created such a convenient world. Right. We have so much convenience, right? And it's not, I don't think it's really any, any specific generation's fault. We thought we were all doing the right thing by creating these technologies yeah. and creating yeah. these conveniences and like, everything's so simple and... Right. and easy to get that we've downgraded our ability to have ambition or have drive or the desire to fight for something to yeah. get what we want. Now, having said that, I'm sure people are going to be upset who listen to this. I'm not saying all young people, but I, I just see that I, I sometimes I look and say, wow, I wish they had, they just seem like they need more drive or ambition or well, see, it comes from that parent thing. Yeah. Because I think that's what came, that's what happened. So you guys gave, you know, you're 80, right. 81. So, like, the ones that came after you, someone that's in their 60s right now, right. that you handed them the world. You're like, here, we got this great world. We have this great economy. Everything's, like, going really well right now. Like, everything's kind of, like, doing its thing. Yeah. And then you give them this. And they worked less for that. Right. Well, and it just keeps passing down. Hopefully, I didn't give. I made them work for it. Yeah. Even even the music. I mean, I I challenged them. They had to right. work for. They had to work for everything. Yeah. If we went on trips, they had to earn the money. Yeah. Everyone. I mean, so I was trying to teach them that that you had to work for. So you my yeah. two grandkids because we operated a, a a campground store. Right. I remember that. Well, my two grandsons from my daughter would come down here and they say, Grandpa, let's let's go to Provincetown and we go there and can I buy this, can I buy that? I said, no, 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 no. They, I said, well, you've got to earn it. You'll go back to the store. You start sweeping the floor. You start cleaning the mirrors. You start doing this. And yeah. and so the next time I took him into Provincetown to buy something, I said, well, why don't you buy that now? He said, no, let me shop around. It might be cheaper someplace else. I said, okay. Okay. You know? Yeah. So um, hopefully I made the people I've come in contact work for what they want. Yeah. 
And if they can't get there, we've talked about it, if they can't get there, then you climb over the roof. If you can't get over the roof, then you dig a hole under the ground. Right. You, you just, just keep, get there. You just keep trying, yeah. yeah. Just keep fighting for yeah. it. Rather than giving up and quitting and, and blaming someone else, I didn't make the team because of the coach. Right. You know? Right. Oh, uh, it's politics or it's yeah, all, it's, yeah. it's, it's whatever. Like, I didn't right. get there because of that. Right. Just yeah. work at it, you know? Yeah. But I think that's the, we've created the, that, that convenience thing. Because I, I said this the other day, it was like, if you think about it, we've literally gotten to the, our level of convenience in our world has gotten to the point where you could sit in your chair at your house, ask Google to change your temperature <laughs> and to yeah. change the telev- oh, yeah. television channel. Yeah. And to order things yeah. off Amazon, start your car from the start the, yeah, start your car from there, warm it all up, and everything yeah. like that. You could hire someone in your house to like bring the packages from your front door to you, yeah. right? Yeah. Hire a lawn guy and a maid, and like you can be a thousand miles away and see the cameras on your house if anyone's yeah. moving yeah. around your house, right? Or change the temperature in your house, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's insane. Yeah. So like that level of convenience, yeah. Has that caused the lack of ambition? Because you don't have to try yeah. that hard to get anything. It just shows up. Well, the so you created this consumerism, yeah. consumerist like yeah. mindset of like, well, I can just sit here and like, yeah. I have to create anything because like, creating would cause me to want to have to create something to get something. Well, the person who created that was ambitious. Yeah, you know, the creator's ambitions. So right. <clears throat> so you have to, you have to <laughs> be careful that as you create, that you don't stop some other people from creating. Yeah, you know. And I think that's what's happening right now because that's that's what creation is. You know. I think that's what's happening right now is yeah. that instead of creating and giving back to the world, we're consuming of the world yeah. more and more because there are a few people. If you look at it, like, most of the world's owned by, like, what, 20 corporations? Yeah. So here's the 20 corporations of smart people that are creating new things, and everybody else is just consuming it. Yeah. Instead of going, well, I need to create something to get this, because I want that. But how do I get that? Like, find a way. That's creativity. Yeah. Right? But I don't have to find a way, because you already found it for me. So I can just, like, yeah. use my device, my phone, and have you bring yeah. it to me. Yeah. Technology, like we mentioned it before, I mean, sometimes morality is behind technology, and sometimes technology is scary. When they start fooling around with cloning and you start getting in a place of God, that's scary. Yeah, you're changing cells right now. We're changing, like, we're building things. I think someone said, like, they're at the point of, and I don't know this for a fact, building, building things atom by atom right now because we're so small I mean because the way I was heard it I would like is that um, the reason you keep going farther in is because when the universe feels like it's about to be exposed it runs away from itself so that's why you keep going farther and farther in because you take a a electron microscope and I'm just looking at this thing just it's just fabric Mm -hmm. then you zoom in all of a sudden it's not fabric anymore it's all these cells and you zoom in further now it's a cell but now it's even all the pieces of a cell, and you yeah. keep going farther in. Yeah. So you keep going in, and it just keeps running farther away. Yeah. Same with the galaxies. You keep finding more. The farther we keep yeah. going out, we're like, oh, Pluto's not the end of the galaxy. Yeah. Oh, wait, now there's all these 
hundreds of galaxies out there. Yeah. We're like the one of the smallest piece of the smallest galaxy within like hundreds of galaxies. Yeah. You know, so like I think we've gone not too far in. We've gone so far in and so far out that we've lost touch with like people. We lost touch with our own system, yeah. our own our own like living system that we're part of. Yeah. We've talked about this before. It's that fine line again. Yeah. In life, that uh, you have to be careful. I mean, you can go over and create such problems. Oh yeah. So. Well, that's why I like that. Um, the Richard Feynman's quote that I really like. I don't know if I mentioned it before or not, but it says uh, he actually wrote it. I looked it up because I wanted to know like what is what the context of it was, and it was actually right after the Challenger blew up, back in like '86, I think that was. Yeah. He wrote this quote, and it was. Um, for a successful technology, reality must take precedence over public relations. For nature cannot be fooled. Okay. Wow. And that's one yeah. of my absolute favorite quotes because it's really like what we see. Like we keep building these technologies right. to appease the government, to appease like right. all this public relation. Right. But we're losing the fact that. We're not paying attention to reality. We're not paying attention to the the nature and the world that we're living in. And how, like, this silly decision that we made that seems convenient and how it's negatively affected life. Well, a whole different area, but sometimes we're so brainwashed by, by what's published or what's on TV. You know, what's going on in the world right now with Iraq and Iran and yeah. We're going to be fed all kinds of stuff, like we did with the Vietnam. Yeah, you don't know really... we're going to be fed all this stuff again. Uh, this this could take us in a whole different direction because I'm sure some people would totally disagree. But uh, we're going to be fed stuff, and then we're not going to know what to believe. Right. Well, that's what they do. Like that's. Um, that's kind you know, of what Brie asked me that last night. She was like, "Are we going to war with Iran?" I was like, "I don't know." Like. I want to. I want to be honest, and I want to like. I want to think I want to know, or, yeah. or think I know, but there's no way to get all of the information to know for sure what's actually happening, right. Right. or why it actually happened, right. or anything like that. Because yeah. you're not getting you, you're not getting news. You're getting someone's yeah. perspective of right. the news, right. or someone's like right. what the government's willing to tell right. you. Right. Well, during the Vietnam situation, they lied to us continuously about how we were winning the war. And then with Iraq, you know, they had bombs of destruction. And that, that was all, you know, so you worry about this. But last night, uh, uh, kind of in the same direction, I was watching a, a show by Ken Burns, and he did a whole series of jazz, the history of jazz. Okay. And so I happened to watch the era between, you know, 35 to 40. I didn't, I didn't know this, but the, the black man who served in our country to fight some white people so that we could have freedom, I didn't realize that they had segregated military camps. Oh, really? Black Military camps. I didn't know they, that. I didn't know that. It showed yeah. it huh. on TV. I mean, so I mean, so here they are fighting for us, right? And they don't, can't even eat in the same cafeteria with us huh. on some of those bases. Yeah. So I mean, uh, see, we didn't. Uh, how come I, I? I just learned. I just saw that last night. Like, wow. Yeah. 
Who well, there's so many things that there's there's so much history that gets covered up. Yeah. You know, because like they always say, history is written by the winner. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like, what actually happened? What actually like? Yeah. yeah. That's the whole like. I mean, there's we're going way off on tangents, but like the whole indigenous people thing. Like, yeah. it's not Columbus Day. Like, yeah. come on. Like, if you still think it's Columbus Day, Columbus yeah. didn't discover anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the Europeans would go around the world with the Queen's flag yeah. and go, this is the Queen's now. And they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. We've been here for a thousand years. What do you mean it's yeah. the Queen's now? Like, yeah. yep, it's all for the Queen. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> but, again, it goes back to the fine line, though, Joe. Yeah. It really does with not only individuals, but countries and people. Yeah. And love for people. Yeah, and love humanity for, and like... I mean, like... Why can't we enjoy the diversity of what we have? Right. White and black and yellow and brown and One brown. of the best, there was a, uh, it was a meme or whatever on Facebook, and it had, like, all these beautiful animals. Like, all the, we go, we go snorkeling to see all the different colors of fish. Right. And we, like, go to the Costa Rica to see all the different beautiful birds and right. all this. But we don't want to have diversity among people. <laughs> Right, like here's all these other animals that we're right. like in all about because right. there's all the different colors and right. different creeds and people and thoughts and like all these different right. things that they do and we're like, wow, this is fascinating. Have you seen right. what this animal does with right. this animal? And, right. But we forget that we're animals. That, that I see it so often yeah. that we've removed people, human, so far away from nature, so far away from the idea that we're an animal. Yeah. that we think that we're not part of all of that. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned a, a book you were reading that was fascinating, The Secret Life of Trees. Oh, yeah. So I, I bought the sample and I read the sample. And like, I mean, I didn't. I can't, I can't believe that trees have feelings and they can smell and they, they and send out warnings. Like, me and, I mean, so it's kind of what you just said with the environment. I mean, it isn't. It isn't just a tree. I mean, that thing's alive. Yeah, you know, it's very and, uh, alive. It's and then it, when you talked about that in today's, yesterday in today's paper, big articles about the wood pellets that were selling to Europe for them to burn. So how many, you know, how many trees are going to destroy in North Carolina? The, yeah. So. Uh, no, it blew me away. Like I, I've, I've listened about half of that book now. And yeah. It was just like, it blew me away. Like yeah. the how intelligent, like. Just the idea that, you know, like in the beginning, I think I told you about this one, where like the, they can chase animals away. Right. Or like detect what bug is biting its leaf. Right. And send out signals yeah. to other trees. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, I mean, there's more to life than what we see or oh. what we think we see. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, it's all, it's all, all of these pieces are important. Oh, and yeah. if you cut off your if you cut off your right arm, then maybe your left arm. And like, I think I mentioned this. Uh, someone mentioned that when you perform experiments in rats in Chicago, yeah. it affects the rats in Boston. Okay. You know. So I mean, whatever you do in nature is just right. Well, that's why I love just, that quote so much. Yeah. Right. You think you're fool. You think you're like getting one over on it. Right. But I don't. Like, if you think about, like, when we're talking about, like, the butterfly effect or anything like that, it's like, right. what did we change when we split the atom? Right? You've now manually have changed 
the way things were at yeah. one point. Yeah. And things things have to change. Yeah. But it's the fine I think today's discussion is the fine line right uh, of life. But I think that's what that's why we have to get back to understanding how much we're part of nature. Right. That we're still an animal part of nature. When people ask me about the cube all the time, they're like, why'd you make something so big? Or why is like, what's the whole point? And I'm like, I really, it hit me the other day when I was like working with somebody. And I was like, we don't move the organism enough. We don't move our animal enough. We don't play like animals. Right? So that whole convenience thing, I can sit in my chair and like not even move my finger anymore. I don't even have to push a button with my finger. I can literally just speak Say. with my mouth and things come to me. So now we went from not moving enough in exercise to not even having to move a finger. And we can't figure out why we're breaking down, why we're in Physically, such distress yeah. and like... All yeah. the, you know, unable to move and, un, you know, having all these, like, aches and pains and, mm -hmm. like, dying so early and, and all this. And I was like, because you're not moving at all. Right. Let alone exercise. We'll take the, we're even saying exercise. Take the exercise out. You are not moving at all. You're literally saying, you're, you're literally sitting in one spot asking yeah. for things to come to you. Yeah. You know, I was like, all this really is is me going, you're still an animal and you're going to play in this forest over here that I created. You're going to step over that, that, that cable or that branch yeah. and duck under this branch and, and and step over that and move around mm -hmm. this and having to use your body the way it was designed to, to mm -hmm. move. It's you know it's gonna be uh, it's fascinating when you when you look you know when I look back eighty years but when when you think back a thousand years and then you think a thousand years into the future, wow, what's that gonna what's the, what is that gonna look like? I can't even imagine. What is that gonna I'm be like, like? Mind blown about it. To um, think of like what I'll see just in my lifetime. Yeah. You know, like how do you feel about that and just what you've seen? I mean the twenty last twenty five years of the internet and right. like technology. I mean, you had to have seen like the the, the vast well, difference. I, you know, I, I really worry about my my grandkids and you know the the life that they're gonna have and their kids and um because 80 years old, we talked about this. We didn't have a lot, but 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 what we did have, we appreciated, and we didn't know we didn't have a lot. I mean, and it was respect, and mm -hmm. and, and as you said, there's no, uh, there's not a lot of communication because you, you go someplace, everyone's on a telephone and doing something, and it's like you take away some of this uh, personal stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, the one I had a thought when I was back home. Because, like, back when I grew up, I was in a little small town, didn't know anything, whether I was right. missing something or not missing something. I just, it was a little village of 1,400 people, and right. that was that. That's what you had. But the one thing I've noticed in speculation, you know, and observation, but, like, having social media. So now you live in a 1,200-person town. You make minimum wage. You're barely making it. Like, you're kind of right. just doing your thing. And before we would have been like, okay, well, this is just the life I have. But now that's the life you live in right. while you're watching other people travel to like far ends of the earth or fly in private planes and have all these fancy cars and all this money. And you're going, but I, I still live in this little tiny town with nothing. Mm. So what does that do to our mental health of somebody that 
is that is that what's causing the high levels of opiate addiction in small towns? Mm-hmm. Because you're not feeling like you can get out of this little spot that you're in when everybody else yeah. has all of this. Yeah. Well, I think you have to become. Uh, you have to figure out what it is that you need. I mean, maybe maybe you don't need all that. A lot of those people need that stuff, but they they don't get any joy from it. Yeah. At all. And some people have so very little and are completely happy. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think you have to figure out what it is that that's important to you. And I keep coming back to this. I found out uh, a long time ago that what's really a powerful statement is to serve. When you're serving someone else, you are being served. Yeah. So you can have very little, but if you give half of it away... <laughs> you have so much joy because you see someone else get joy from it, you know. Yeah, that's why. Uh, that's why it was like that. That one, you you only keep what you give. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's that you're gonna keep your feeling, you keep your emotion, you keep yeah. this like yeah. this le- level of gratitude that you yeah. get from that. Yeah. I mean, I I I know some people that have not a lot, but boy, are they happy. Yeah. And I know I know some people that have a lot and they're miserable. Yeah. Well, that's what uh, Gary V talks about. He goes, I know. He goes, uh, I know dozens of people that make forty thousand dollars a year. They like piece together a couple of vacations. They play on every soccer league right. they want. They play right. video games at night when they go home, and they're like happy as hell. Right. But then he goes, I know people in Silicon Valley that have hundreds of millions of dollars in their bank account, and they're deeply miserable. Right. You know, Jim Carrey said that. He goes, I wish everybody could become famous for a second to realize it's not. It's not all that. <laughs> I know. You know, I know. It's and there tough. was a there was a basketball player, an NBA player, that came out about his depression. Yeah. And I was reading all the comments because that's what I do is I go on social media and read right. people's comments about something right. and see how they react to it and see what the the majority is saying or how right. they react to something. Right. And to see so many people go, "What do you? Mean, how can you even be depressed? You can buy anything you want." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "You don't get it. Yeah. You're missing. Yeah. You, you've missed the whole point." Yesterday on TV, maybe it was on uh, 60 Minutes, they had Epstein. The okay. guy, uh, you know, what Epstein, sad, they didn't kill himself? Oh. What, what a sad, <laughs> a billionaire. Yeah. A billionaire. And, and they're not sure whether he committed suicide or someone did it. Right. But uh, you think about it, a billionaire. Yeah. Ends up that way. And it showed the prison cell he was in. It was, like, it was, it was a prison. It was, yeah. a, it was a dungeon. And uh, and yet you see some people have so little and like they are happy. Yeah, gratitude's powerful. Yeah, gratitude is extremely yeah. powerful. Yeah. You know, I've I've lived many many years on it. You know, because I um, when I started what I'm doing now, yeah, I, right before that I had I had two houses, I had a new car, I had a, I had I was making seventy thousand dollars <laughs> a year, I had a retirement, yeah. and I yeah. had like yeah. health insurance, I had. You know, it was the American dream. I had it all. I, house was fully furnished. I had you know, home yep. theater systems and all kinds of stuff. And and a year later, I was sleeping on a, a twin-size mattress in a concrete basement yeah. with 12 boxes and a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I was miserable. I had nothing. Huh? I had all this stuff, but I had nothing. And then I, now I literally had nothing. Yeah. And now I'm back to where I'm at right now. It took me 12 years to figure out what's really important to me. But are you happy? I'm joyful. <laughs> Absolutely joyful. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's been a lot of hard work. It's been a lot of like, it's so challenging because you, you're like, I went from that to basically the last 10 years I've lived on less than $25,000 a year. Yeah. You know, through whatever I could make, yeah. whatever job I could have. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Yeah. Happiness depends on circumstance. Okay. Joy is how you how you live your life. You know, you can find joy right in what we're doing. Yeah. You know, happiness might. Oh, I wish I had a bigger studio. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what like um, I really liked when Jordan Peterson talked about happiness one time. He goes, "Happiness isn't part of us. It's not. It's not a. It's not something that's innate in us." Right. He goes, "Meaning and purpose." Having a meaningful life yeah. will, will cause you to have happiness. Yeah. Finding meaning and finding purpose is what yeah. gives you the feeling That's of really, happiness. That's really important. You know, so everybody's chasing the wrong word. They're yeah. chasing this thing. It's like um, money, thinking money is real. Money is a resource, and it's a way of calculating how you know what you have right. and don't have. But if there's $6 trillion of actual money on the planet, but there's $60 trillion in the computer. So there's over $50 trillion of fake money. That's literally just a number in the computer. And people are chasing money, trying to get more money, make more money, make more money, and they can't figure out why they're not happier. And I'm like, because yeah. you're chasing something that's not real. Yeah. As if you chased meaning or found a purpose yeah. or found you know drive to yeah. finish, to work on something, to create something that's yeah. real. That's what feelings you get to have. Yeah, I, I think that's a power, so powerful because you have to. Yeah, we all have a purpose. You have to find out what that purpose is. Yeah. You found out what your purpose is. Getting people to move. You know, I found out what. It took me a while. Uh, I knew it was music, but I, I, you know, I was like looking for more ability in myself as a musician. Yeah, and then I realized my purpose, and it was a good one. God helped me find your creative skills. God helped me find what you're talented in, and to bring it out. Yeah, and that was that was exciting to watch. To see no, a student who who didn't know they could do this all of a sudden ends up over here. Yeah, you know. So yeah, they just found yeah. that they're like, yeah. "Holy cow, I can do this! Like, yeah. I, you know, like I can make this." Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, soon I, I made contact with today. Yeah. I I got that today, and she she worked for Bose. She's oh, really? an okay. engineer at Bose, and then she went back to Berkeley College for five years and got a degree in in film design and and composition. Oh, really? So, um, but she thanked me for helping her find. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's amazing because I, mean, I mean that you literally yeah. gave her her entire life path essentially. Yeah, so um, you know, helping helping someone realize what their talent is is that's powerful. Definitely. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. <laughs> I, I said last time it was probably one of my favorites, but I think this might. Yeah. You know, yeah. We keep getting better at this, so. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Well, I go home and I, I re-listen and I rethink the stuff. Yeah. I mean, a thing I want to talk about too at some point is. The, it, it always comes back to the fine line again that life is made up of opposites yeah you know light dark tall short yeah you know that's why you can't have perfection 
That's why I had to learn that because I was a I was a perfectionist for a long time because of yeah. some traumas I had in the past yeah. and whatever I came like OCD yeah. in a sense. And what helped me was realizing that there's no such thing as perfect, only precision. Right. So you can get you can get your decisions down to right. a precise level. Right. You can never get them perfect because right. you're giving away choice. Then right. you're taking away your 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 ability to choose good or bad or right or wrong or light or dark by give by becoming perfect. Yeah. Well, see, I don't think uh, only God's perfect in my mind. I don't, we're not perfect. We're striving yeah. for. I don't think nature's perfect, but nature's God, and they yeah. are, you know, very inter- interwoven to that. So, yeah. and nature still isn't perfect. So, yeah. but, all right, Bob. All right, <laughs> we'll keep going next time. <laughs> Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I look forward to sharing more with you on future episodes. If you need to contact me, you can reach me at anothernewperspective101 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Have an awesome day.